Welcome to On the Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 36 for the 8th of March 2007. Hi, James. How are you doing? We've got a uh, trans channel couch today. Yeah, trans la manche for the French people there. So you're, <laughs> you're, as we just said, you're not insane, you're by the same. I'm by the same in Paris, looking out over the water. Very nice. And the office I'm, here. And where are I'm you? I'm staring at a blank white wall in uh, <laughs> southern England. There we go. Um, some guys have all the fun. Anyway, uh, welcome to Couch 36. Uh, we're going to talk to you through the standard um, array of content. Uh, so we talk about UK news, international news, content delivery. What else, Ian? IPTV, gaming, mobile, and uh, other wild and crazy things. Yeah, it's, it's, all, uh, it's all happening. Um, first of all, quick update on the UK situation. Um, I know we both went to a, uh, an industry event called IPTV World Forum connected home and there was something else going on as well uh, yeah. earlier on the week. Uh, I certainly noticed the big um, outdoor advertising thing saying about this spat that's going on between Virgin Media and B-Sky B. Yes. Saying, you know, have you lost, lost, come and get it and lots of uh, adverts running at the get moment. Get Jack back. Get Jack back for 24 and all this kind of stuff. Essentially, um, Sky have pulled the Sky 1 channel off the Virgin service yeah. now. Allegedly because they couldn't or they couldn't agree on the pricing. So I think it's it's more than Sky One, I think. There's a few other channels as well. Yeah, but that's the only um, one that counts. I mean there's Sky News and there's uh, Is it a shrewd move or not? I don't know. Certainly I, I overheard some people talking about it on the street and mm-hmm. um, and they've done a big campaign I watched on the T V last night saying um you, know, you can go to sky.com slash switch. Right. So it's reminiscent of an Apple campaign, but uh, <laughs> you know how these designers are influenced. Um, indeed. Uh, so other stuff that's been going on in the UK uh, in the media news is also um, to do with interactive TV. In fact, the uh, ITV, which is the I guess the number one independent advertising-driven um, paper or paper channel, in the, UK, yep. channel in the UK, effectively mm-hmm. from mainly terrestrial, uh, but it's got a fairly large presence on the digital networks as well. Yeah. Has basically canned all of their interactive services, um, which in the UK where there isn't. Um, a lot of cable around the the way that you pay for interactive TV or you vote or whatever is done through calling the box calling back to a premium rate phone number or you use an SMS from your phone right text the number to vote or play or whatever and basically there's a scandal going on about they mischarged people I think it was for I've been American Idol or something like that one of the big um, the big shows right. where people vote for people and they basically overcharged people by a significant amount and the, the government stepped in and they've stopped everything and Oof. they're looking to regulate it um, because people were overcharged so. and yeah, I mean they make millions and millions of pounds out of these services so. I was apparently there's a voluntary code that's that stops people voting more than 150 times <laughs> and that's like, I mean I can text pretty fast but I don't know if I can text that much. But 150 times. I, mean, <laughs> I guess maybe this is where people think because they've got an unlimited text package that they ah, can vote. But no, in fact, they're a premium paying text one. number, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this is interesting because uh, there's been a f- the Richard and Judy show on the BBC, I think it is, which I've never actually watched, uh, is right. also in this kind of controversy because they were asking viewers to call in and uh, you know, vote or do something. Uh, but right. there was actually a recorded program they were playing out at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was some so other... It's, it's a little, and they were uh, confusing people and catching yeah. votes when they couldn't vote. And 
when I was uh, living in Hong Kong, they used to have American Idol on and say, you know, you can't vote now. It is not live. It's a replay. Yes. Um, I'm very clear stuff. about it. But a uh, bit mm. of confusion going on about that. So I mean, it's probably mm. a good thing to... Apparently, they've got uh, Deloitte's in to go and go back over the last two years' worth of competitions to make sure that it's all legit. There we go. Well, that's, you know, so it's all going off in the, the media land in the UK at the moment. So what's going on internationally? You've picked up a story about AT&T. What's all that about? Yeah, now we've been following AT&T's rollout of their Uverse initiative. Which is a bit what? of a follow-up service. They're, they're not doing fibre to the premises, but they're doing fibre to the... To the node, to the curb. Yeah, to the block or whatever. Yeah. Block, so yeah. And then using essentially a EDSL or DSL service for the last, what, what people call the last mile, so getting it from the mm. node uh, to, the, to the house. So it's a bit of a compromise between um, a, a, a straight DSL service, which obviously connects over a phone line mm. copper all the way to an exchange, um, and fibre to the home. Right. Uh, but this is in contrast to their main competitor, Verizon, who's doing a fibre right to the to the home. That's right. That's right. Um, but I see the article here is talking about the, the relative costs of doing that. Clearly, putting fibre to every home is significantly more expensive mm. than doing it just to the block or the mm-hmm. node. Mm-hmm. It looks like about three times more the price, more than three times the price. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the the way A and T and T's been doing it though is is they're saying they're rolling out a broadband service, and in the states. Uh, you can't just start up a TV, a cable network, and uh, start connecting customers. Right. And by law, you have to have a, a what's called a franchise, okay. as in a license, effectively, to yeah. roll out a cable network. So what AT&T is saying is it's not a cable network, it's just an IP network. We're just doing broadband. Right. Uh, but yeah. they happen to be selling television over this service. It sounds similar to the kind of arguments they're having in China, in fact, where... People, the IP guys saying, why can't we deliver TV? It's just IP. And then the TV yes. guys saying, oh, you don't have a license to do that. We're the only ones who can. You know? Yes. Um, so AT&T has been slowed up by the fact that a lot of counties in the US have been saying, hey, hang on a tick, you're rolling out a TV service. And AT&T is saying, no, we're not. We're just uh, rolling out broadband. Yeah, and I guess there's obviously, I think the franchises are probably sold off for significant periods of time and there's money involved. Absolutely. Sounds messy. Yeah. So it's a bit of a follow-up article on that so they've slowed down their rollout um, mm-hmm. as they're trying to get these legal battles sorted out especially mm-hmm. in Chicago suburbs apparently where they're kind of digging their heels in uh, but it's an interesting interesting uh, take on where the world's going with TV and once it's IP is it TV is it IP is it well I think you know that's fit? some of the confusion in the terms you know IP TV is what does it actually mean and certainly we saw that in the show um, and from a technology perspective in my mind it's just television delivered over a different medium, cable, mm. satellite, or IP. I mean, it should be, most users don't really care, to be honest. Exactly. And I, and I think by trying to set it up as being different, you're creating an expectation that it's different and way really better. Mm-hmm. Whereas in reality, the, the services being offered are pretty much the same as, or even less so, than broadcast services. That's true. And uh, IP mm. is, uh, does struggle with some, uh, some aspects, like even just channel change times. Uh, quite a challenge to get working well in well, an IPTV environment. Yeah, I mean, having said that, I think Microsoft's got that pretty much cracked, almost instant channel change, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of an advantage, but it needs a significant infrastructure behind it. So right. um, we'll talk about that a bit later on in the IPTV section. Mm, indeed. Um, on the content side, um, I guess a number of things came up. Uh, most recently, there was TiVo announced, I think, yesterday, 
that they were possibly going to do something with Amazon. Amazon launched that Unbox service we talked about briefly, which was mm-hmm. kind of on the back of when Apple started doing all the uh, stuff online, and Yahoo started doing TV. And, uh, so TiVo are getting together with them, uh, I guess, presumably to, to allow you to push content or buy content on your TiVo via Unbox. Um, yep. Maybe that'll overcome some of the problems we'd heard about Amazon's sort of last mile delivery that it was really slow to download stuff. If they can push it onto a TiVo, maybe that's a... It's kind of well, it's a nice idea because fundamentally you don't want to watch movies on your PC. You want to watch it in your lounge room on your big TV. And what this allows you to do is that you've still got to purchase it on your PC, but uh, the, the unboxed service allows you to push uh, the content to another so PC pu- right. or some portable device and... The extension in this case is to allow you to push it to your TiVo, so you can, you right. can effectively push it to your lounge room, so you can watch it, watch it there, and enjoy the experience. Um, so you can't as yet actually buy the content on your TiVo, but they're looking at that for the future. So as it's well. just seen as a peripheral kind of thing at sure. this stage. Yeah, but um, it's, uh, I think that's nice. I mean, it's, you really do need the content in the right place. Um, mm. I'm presuming that's got some rights management stuff here with it as well that TiVo yeah. has to embed I mean, or I use. I presume it's the Microsoft. DRM stuff, so that must mean the TiVo supports that as well. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's sort of licensable pretty much easily. Mm. Um, you also had a story here about watermarking. I'd heard some stuff recently about watermarking and how you know, the reality behind watermarking and recovering watermark. Sometimes it's just like, yes, it's technically possible, but in practice it's kind of not. What's, uh, mm. what's, this, what's this Digimark thing? Uh, so Digimark are looking to create, uh, they've, they've got a patent on what, what they call active watermarking. And the idea behind this is that uh, you uh, don't use digital rights management on content, you just put watermarks in it, right. uh, and then you can sc- you know, scurry around the net and find out where the content has gone uh, in a kind of automated fashion, right. which has been one of the challenges with, uh, with YouTube, in that when someone puts a commercial bit of content up on YouTube, mm. it's actually very hard to get rid of it altogether, because you know, someone could just upload it Didn't again. Didn't they kind of admit that they don't actually look at stuff on YouTube? They just stick it up there. Well, there's, there's two. I mean, sixty thousand uploads a day. No one's going to sit around watching. No, they can't them. possibly. Yeah. So the idea here is, if they if they use Digimark technology, they could uh, automatically detect the fact that. Right, and it's, I guess, and this is a patent as well. It's not a product, is it? It's just like a concept. Wouldn't it be cool if you could do this? That's right. Uh, interesting. So it's another kind of take on, and uh, being able to track content. So instead of preventing it from going anywhere with DRM, but letting it out there and then seeing what happens with it by being able to look at what watermarks are uh, kind of included in the content. I think it's a good idea for, I mean, I, I was talking to a guy in the pub a few weeks ago and he's taken photographs and stuff and he said he'd seen his one of his photos on someone's website. Oh, really? Basically, and you just have to say, look, hey, you're using some of my photos. Yeah. Maybe. And you know, how that's serendipitous. If you've got something really popular, then mm-hmm. I guess you deserve to get paid for it unless you're giving it away mm. on a Creative Commons kind of license. Mm. I guess this allows you to not only find it in the first place, but prove that it's actually... It's actually your content by the fact that yeah. Yeah, it's got my watermark in it. Yeah. Oh, there was another instance, I recall, last week of someone who'd, um, a, a guy who'd pretend, or he, he'd issued a lot of, uh, it was a classical composer, mm-hmm. or a peer, it was a pianist, and he'd released a lot of albums posthumously for his wife's death, claiming she'd actually played these pieces, but they were just someone else's work. Oh, really? Um, but it, you know, it happens everywhere, I suppose. He was trying to do the right thing, he thought. Um, BitTorrent. Yeah. Bit, BitTorrent goes legit. With movie and TV downloads, um, it sounds dubious to me. BitTorrent being uh, the peer-to-peer file distribution. Was that bought by Bertelsmann or someone? BitTorrent, or is it just know. investment in it? I think. Well, what they've done is uh, decided to. You know, <laughs> it's a bit of a strange deal, really. So, 
imagine all the movie houses doing a deal with BitTorrent to actually distribute their movies over this mechanism that people have traditionally used to get content for free, as in pirated content. Well, I think the issue here is that people do it to get stuff they can't normally watch or watch the latest episodes. Mm. We talked about this the other day about how Mm. in Australia you can't get access to series for ages. But if there are only standaways, you can buy last season's episodes via BitTorrent. So so what? Mm -hmm. It's not solving the problem, is it? True. But at least they're trying to... uh Get some money for the content that's being distributed. Mm. Uh, and the prices aren't very, very high. You can uh, download TV episodes at $1.99 and rent a movie for 24 hours for three or four bucks US. Let me, is that only in the US right there, right? Uh, that's only in the US indeed. Okie dokie. Uh, I saw this, uh, this IPTV thing, some more um, kind of, uh, there's an interesting mix on a content side between uh, user generated content. And peer-to-peer sharing, where you could basically in these these two sites, one I, I actually saw was called Selfcast, mm-hmm. Selfcast.com, and the other one I heard about called Splashcast.com, um, essentially allow you to be a broadcaster on the internet, but really at home you've only got your your narrow band, typically upstream pipe on ADSL. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's um, less than half a megabit. I think in the UK it's around 385 something like that. What do these services allow you to do? Well, you can basically broadcast yourself. I mean, I know you're a bit of a musician, Ian, with this fantastic music we've got on the in and out of the, uh, the podcast. Uh-huh. You could do, and the little postcard they were giving out was that you could do your little living room concert. Oh, right. So you can just basically, you can self-cast yourself, mm-hmm. um, and then you can, uh, kind of people can just log in and see you, and you can you can do tags and splash cast. I think you can actually say, yeah, I'd like this, and it automatically populates rather than... Um, like shows and things that you want to put on and you can spice it in with your own video so essentially you only pay for the bandwidth to upload and then the peers uh, then sort out how it gets to the people who are watching alright that sounds cool sounds cool but I mean I think the people behind this um, can be with a product called Rawflow and they're basically trying to sell a service that uh, facilitate this and I guess act as a broker between the individual peers so they right. know who to, to get the content from um, but it seemed like quite a cool uh, cool concept at least it does sound very cool mm. um, and it's kind of a weird mix instead of like user generated so UGC and peer to peer so mm. all the hitting all the buzzwords in your uh, IPTV bingo game exactly highly buzzword compliant mm. which brings us kind of on to IPTV uh-huh. um, so we were at the uh, IPTV World Forum event in London this week it's a very grand title isn't it it is for quite a small event really yeah, I mean, I guess there were movers and shakers there. I mean, there were people from uh, big networks like Fastweb, PCW, the guys who've done the, the, the playouts, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think they had anything momentous to say other than things are going really well. Uh, mm. And it tends to be the same people. These events seem to happen every quarter. Um, so they're <laughs> moving around. Uh, interesting to see who's, who's there. Microsoft had a little booth. They were doing some demos of uh, a generic service. It wasn't BT Vision. I was, I was mm. hoping to see BT Vision. Um, I think most of the Microsoft services look fairly similar, so you've seen one. Well, uh, <laughs> seen more. I did meet with some design houses there who claim you know they can reskin your Microsoft TV service for you and give you your own independent branding. Right. Um, but uh, that was kind of, kind of interesting. Um, you've got some stuff here about in IPTV in, in China. Uh, I did notice a few Chinese set top box guys there. Yes. Um, in the World Forum, but. Uh, yeah, not not. Uh, it, was a, it was a weird mix. As I said it wasn't just IPTV. It was also the connected home. Mm. So there was, uh, but I didn't see much connected home action going on either. So, um. Well, the the article we have about uh, IPTV 
in Shanghai was uh, that uh, they've crept up to 100,000 IPTV subscribers in Shanghai, uh, and they've added 40,000 over the last year, so they're, they're going quite quickly. But is this just sort of a DSL, or is yes. it IPTV, or is this it... This is IPTV basically... over ADSL. Yeah, um, but I'm wondering, like, in, in I know in Hong Kong, you basically it was free; you didn't pay anything extra as long as you took the DSL and the phone package. Oh, right. So, mm. um, well, is it one is way it like to claim TV a lot of subscribers, just, isn't it? Yeah, or is it just a new ISP, you know, a different name? They're definitely so uh, to claiming tell. to be a TV service. BES TV, the name of the service. Yeah, but I guess in the I mean, they're competing. The DSL guys are competing against the cable guys' provision of broadband. So it's almost like, what can you give away to mm. retain your subscribers? Mm. Uh, and I think that's not to be forgotten that a lot of uh, telcos who are doing IBTV are doing it really as a triple play to try and keep their yeah. existing voice and data customers because the cable guys and increasingly the satellite guys can offer a triple play as well. Mm-hmm. And they would need to keep people uh, faithful sort of churning over to the other guys. What else is going on? Uh, another release, I guess, from um, the show was SPL, who's one of these kind of embedded browser people. Mm-hmm. Um, they call that kind of middleware, but it is essentially a browser environment which talks to a a server on the head end, right? Uh, the transmission side. Um, so they were announcing they've done a million units, um, which is uh, a small number in world terms, but in terms of IPTV, it's it's a big number. Mm. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I think there's probably only what, three or four million IPTV boxes deployed mm. worldwide at the moment, mm. so it's a reasonable market share. Definitely, it must be said. It must be said. Um, I guess we're now starting to get those sort of numbers in uh, the IPTV world. Right. It's taken a while, but I can, you know, you can see that uh, IPTV is the area where the growth appears to be at the moment of completely new services. Obviously, existing satellite and cable providers are still stacking on the customers, but uh, in terms of completely new services, there's a lot happening. Well, I think they get disproportionate press as well, to be honest. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's loads of small cable systems which are starting up and doing things like this, but they don't get the press because that's just cable. It's not. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not new and funky. Daring year to talk about that. Um, other stuff, uh, I guess, on the IPTV side is, um, and again, uh, Apple fanboy James here piping up with my, still waiting for my Apple TV. Uh-huh. Um, Apple did a release this week of updates to iTunes. Which is interesting because you were predicting this last week that there would be a new version of iTunes to match mm. the Apple TV, and here it is. Yeah, and they seem to be supporting not just the US, but at least four or five other countries, which suggests there will be some content coming along. Um, and the main the indicator there was there's a parental rating setting where you can go and you can set what content you want to be able to see. Right. In the same way you can do today for iTunes, where you can go in and set it up so you can't see any explicit content. And stuff. I see. And also, interestingly, again, I don't know if it's connected, but mm-hmm. there's been a slew of USB 2 TV adapters announced by people like Pinnacle, the Avid guys, and uh, Equinox. Mm-hmm. Um, for like 30, 40 bucks, you can get a USB 2.6. So maybe my dream of plugging one of these into the back of the Apple TV might maybe just Maybe it'll come true. Fantastic. Uh, it seems a bit odd. And there was also um, the, the CFO from Apple was making a few comments and was kind of saying that the Apple TV, it does a lot more than people kind of know about. And one of yeah. these things, it, a bit like a DVR, I guess, until you've got one, you don't know what it can do. Right. But kind of watch this space because, I mean, that's, he's just trying to stop people cancelling their orders, right? Yeah, I can imagine because it's been <laughs> delayed and we're like, oh, maybe I don't want to spend that money now. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I guess just moving in as we segue into the mobile section, mm-hmm. um, he also made an announcement to say that um, the whole premise of all these Apple stores that are popping up everywhere yes. and doing very well by all accounts was to be a long-term strategy to have a retail presence to sell iPhones. Yes, which makes sense because 
Uh, I mean, well, kind of in retrospect, you could look at it and say, well, another reason for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. But we've seen these stores pop up everywhere. We've seen a bunch pop up in Australia. You were at, mm. uh, at one opening in Southampton in England. Yeah, I've been to one in New York. I've been to one in Vegas. I just, it's like a, but they all look pretty much the same. I was surprised, actually, the New York one looks the same. But you, know, you need a retail presence, I guess, like the Nokias and Ericsson's mm. and Motorola's to, to get handsets out there and provide support because it, it opens up a whole new raft of users who aren't PC users aren't necessarily sort of tech savvy or whatever so you need to be able to do that and I guess they've had the support from selling those millions and millions of iPods people just walk in and say my iPod doesn't work can you help me out and they do well I mean the the, the other aspect to that is that relatively speaking the the iPods are quite simple in terms of you know what they do whereas the iPhone is a very complex product so they're going to need more support you're going to need to be able to you know keep people happy while they've got one solve their problems all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. so maybe it's true and maybe it's just a good spin on. You know, <laughs> well, they are good at spin, aren't they? Indeed, if they need it. Um, so mobile TV, we talked a little bit about that. What's, what are people doing in mobile TV? Um, what do people actually want to watch? Yeah, and an article here from uh, a company called Rock, R-O-K. And uh, the article itself is, is saying viewers will cancel mobile TV. In fact... It's a bit of a kind of negative spin on what Rock are saying. They're saying uh, basically customers for mobile TV don't want to sit there and watch, you know, full-length movies or full-length TV episodes. They want to watch three or four-minute clips of things. It's like YouTube stuff. Exactly. So uh, they're saying, you know, the reason why mobile TV hasn't taken off is because we're putting the wrong content on this platform. It's a, it's a, I've got you know three minutes waiting for my bus type thing, not. and if and this is obviously the marketing guy from Rock two weeks before they launched their service. Exactly. Everyone else has got it wrong, but we've got it right. So, and and I, I can yourself. kind of understand this actually, because if if you've got a couple of minutes that are waiting waiting for a train or a bus and you want something to do, then you want to get into your mobile, press a few clicks, start watching something from the beginning, go for a few minutes, and then you know hop on your bus. You don't want to. Exactly. You know, I mean, you've you've seen this, I guess, with your video iPod, whether you. Do you watch? Do you, how are you using that? Are you using it much, or? Um, I watch the occasional video podcast. Um, right. But uh, they're long, aren't they? They're not sound bites or whatever. Sit down and deliberately watch those sort of things. Yeah, you settle down, put the headphones on, get comfy. Exactly. And so watch, I'm not going to yeah. just have a couple of minutes and start it up. I mean, uh, I normally do it at the gym actually when I'm on the bike and I just want right, to put something okay. there and watch a bit of video. So. Sensible thing to do, but uh, if it was actually it was actually on a phone, and I was kind of had a few minutes spare. Then I mm. think they're right. I think I would actually watch a few minutes of something uh, from start to finish, as opposed to mm. what um, uh, Virgin have been doing with their mobile TV service, which is actually rebroadcasting TV. So yes, if I'm at the bus and you've got to have special formats, I think. Exactly. And I'm halfway smaller. through a TV yeah. program. That's of no value to me. I mean, I'm not going to start watching that halfway through. I've seen that actually in other medium as well, where I know in Hong Kong and Singapore, they tried TV on the buses and um, trains. Mm-hmm. And again, they found that, number one, people can't listen. So it's got to be pretty much visual, very loud, which pisses people off. Mm. Uh, or it got subtitles. And then you've just got to have short segments because the average journeys are actually short. So it's, you know, it's just making the right content is important. And then you've got to try and get room for advertising to get a business model in there. So tricky. Um, moving on, gaming. Yes. I don't think we'll talk anymore about Apple TV, but maybe it does games too. Well, that's the theory. They've, they've found a few yeah. strings in the uh, iTunes update. Yeah. 
stuff that well there are quite a few uh, HTML JavaScript flash games which you can just grab if it's got a browser in it you can just go there mm. and go to Popcap or something like that I know that kind of works in the Equinox thing I looked at which is pretty similar to Apple TV mm. um, as well as access to UGC and all this kind of stuff GDC's on this week as well right In uh, over there in I guess San Francisco isn't it that's right yeah is it the Games Developers Conference yes which is more techy than sort of commercial but uh, there's a few announcements coming out of there. Uh, not least, I guess, is Sony have announced a couple of things. Want, I guess, upgrades to their online service for the PS3. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Home, if I'm not incorrect, uh, which seems to have quite a lot of Second Life-y type elements in the, the way they presented it. Right, so and, what do you do in that? Well, you have uh, virtual environments. You can have avatars. You can do things. You can interact. So there is no... Um, it's not, not a game, perhaps. You can just go and hang out, like Second Life, mm. um, where you just let the community do what it wants to do, which normally involves gambling and sex. So um, <laughs> in Second Life, and cheating, which seems to be the, yes. uh, the, the Second Life kind of thing. Second Life has been kind of out of the, out of the frame for a while, so it's interesting to see how that, uh, mm. that transpires. Also, they announced a game, like a collaborative morphing game called Little Big Planet, um, which I've seen a little video that looks quite engaging. Mm-hmm. Little little sort of avatar things that jump around but it's it's, it's a 2d side scroller with some physics in it. it doesn't seem to be much more than that but uh, obviously it's the gameplay which makes the difference um, right so you're you're seeing sony come back with a few announcements try and uh, get some traction back on the ps3 is that your take on it? well i mean uh, I actually i met some guys yesterday who were looking forward to buying a ps3 i sold my old video projector to them on eBay, so um, but they were psyched about it. But uh, I guess mm. you know, it's the games that make the difference, and uh, but it certainly doesn't seem to have captured the the mind at the moment. But these games seem to have woken people up and said, "Hey, Sony's still got some cool in it um, when it comes to games." I don't yeah. know, obviously, I think the guy the guys behind Little Big Planet are the same guys that did uh, Ragdoll Kung Fu we talked about before. Ragdoll Kung Fu. Ragdoll Kung Fu, which is this basically <laughs> it's a little a small developer house where they. These guys said, you know, let's make our own computer game. And they, they took sort of video pictures of themselves and made these little ragdoll characters that you could move around in quite funky ways and you right. could do, do Kung Fu with them. Um, but they've done the Little Big Planet, which I think is, uses some of the same moves. So basically you, you have to bounce off other players and jump around and things. So it uses similar, I guess, game physics to ragdoll Kung Fu, um, but in a different environment, more kid-friendly. But that's nothing if you couldn't control the games with your own mind. So well, this is a bit of a buzz at uh, Games Developers Conference where uh, Emotive Systems reckon they've got a helmet you can wear and uh, <laughs> <laughs> forget about joysticks. Has it got a propeller on the top of it? <laughs> definitely has. I reckon it definitely have, have to have a propeller. And it picks up electrical signals in the brain and allows you to control things just with your mind. How, How much fun is that? that? Be? <laughs> That's bogus, I'm oh, sure. They're demonstrating, it's got to be real. They've just got some geek sitting there with a helmet on his head, going, <laughs> smiling. But yeah. Apparently, uh, children are much better at it than adults. The children uh, can fantasise things uh, in the game and make it happen much better than adults can. But once you practice, you can do three simultaneous things all at the same time just by thinking. That's a bit different. Well, it is. Whatever will they think of next? <laughs> um, that's amazing. Um, That'd be nice. Uh, forget about all these, you know, yeah. new controllers and stuff. Just uh, just go straight for the brain. Alan Snyder, director of the Centre for the Mind, a joint <laughs> venture of the Australian National University and the University of Sydney. Uh-huh. There you go. So it's your, your countrymen thinking they can do it. Exactly. 
and they've obviously fought, fought hard and must have convinced a few people because there's been a few blog entries about this. So yeah, well, I think Intel has ponied up some cash there. Intel Capital, Intel Capital, a right. big investor, so they've taken a punt on that. If it captures the mind, literally, it can't be bad at all. Exactly. Um, Fantastic. Super duper. So, have you been buying any French gadgets over there when you're by the scene? No, I've uh, been gadget free last couple of days. Been very neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm still hanging on for my Apple TV. I've got my other guitar from my Guitar Hero. I'm gonna have to bring that into the office to let a few people go with the old Electronic X. Sounds like fun. Um, it will be fun indeed. Uh, well, I think that's probably wrapping it up for today. Indeed. No competitions this week, but uh, we'll get some more stuff and do some competitions coming up. Stephen, if you've got any feedback, do let us know. Feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, great uh, to hear you all listening in. Keep that other news and, and advice coming in. We'd like to get your tips and stuff. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's goodbye for me, James. And goodbye from me, and have a great week. <laughs>